In the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, the government has another big task underway, a constitutionally required count of every person in the United States. It's important for the census to be accurate. Congressional seats and billions of dollars in funding are at stake. Today, we'll discuss why it's more important than ever to take part in the census and what's changing during this uncertain time. From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Stray Talk. By now, many of you have received a postcard about the 2020 census. This April 1st is Census Day. When you respond to the census, you'll tell the Census Bureau where you live as of April 1st, 2020. The U.S. Constitution requires the federal government to complete a count of all people living in the United States. That includes immigrants, both documented and undocumented, tribal members and refugees. A lot is at stake. Oregon could get a sixth congressional seat and $13 billion in federal funding. Oregon wants to make sure it gets its fair share. But coronavirus is making that count harder to do. Today on Straight Talk, we look at what adjustments the Census Bureau is making because of the pandemic and why it's so important, especially now, that everyone is counted. Later in the show, we'll hear from two of the organizers of the census here in Oregon. But first, the CEO of the Oregon Food Bank tells us how the coronavirus is affecting the food bank's ability to deliver food to those in need and how important the census is to them, too. Because of the coronavirus outbreak, we're doing things a little bit differently here on Stray Talk. We won't have in-studio guests for a while. Here's my interview via video chat with the Oregon Food Bank's Susanna Morgan. Hello, Susanna, and welcome to Stray Talk. It's great to have you back. The last time we talked a few weeks ago, we were talking about the KGW Great Food Drive. We just kicked it off. So much has changed since then. How has the coronavirus outbreak affected the Oregon Food Bank? Well, I first want to say um, how incredibly grateful we are to the community. The uh, KGW Great Food Drive has already surpassed goal way beyond all expectations. We are so grateful for that. We are also grateful for the outpouring of community support that we are currently receiving. Life is weird. Um, uh, there's no school. There are no restaurants. Many of us are stuck in our homes. And for uh, the 800,000 people who already are asking for food assistance every year, this situation is making their already challenging lives harder. And then for the people who are being laid off or facing unexpected medical bills or wondering how they're going to make rent, um, we are seeing a surge in demand for food assistance. You had the opportunity to speak recently with the Seattle Food Bank director. They're a couple of weeks ahead of us in dealing with this virus. What are you hearing about our future? Yeah, the the um, the social distancing, which we're all experiencing now, will get even more and more severe. Uh, food pantries often operate in small, constrained areas. We are going to have to move to outside distributions with sophisticated social distancing techniques. Um, we're gonna have to do neighborhood drops so that we're getting it close to folks so people aren't moving around the city. It is, we are going not in business as usual, um, but we're committed to making sure that the food keeps flowing and our neighbors who are experiencing hunger get help. 
We're hearing about some of the food pantries across the state saying this is like a perfect storm because their volunteers are quarantined. Some of the store shelves have been bare. Some of the supermarkets, grocery stores aren't able to donate as much food. And now, as you mentioned, the need is even greater. How is your food supply and the distribution and any word uh, that you want to say to those food pantries? Our food supply is strong and we will keep the food flowing through the Food Assistance Network. Oregon Food Bank is the hub of 21 regional food banks and uh, 1,400 food pantries, soup kitchens, um, and other meal assistance sites. Um, and we will make sure that food keeps flowing. We also are hearing that there is a decrease from the grocery stores because there's just not much left over. Um, and we ourselves are experiencing that volunteers are hard to come by as people are trying to keep themselves and their families safe. What can you say to these people that may need food assistance for the first time? What do you want them to know about how they access food? What I want folks who are first needing help to know is that there are government safety net programs available and they should use them. Those programs are there to help people when they find themselves in circumstances just like this. So SNAP, formerly known as food stamps, WIC if you're a mother with a young child, uh, unemployment insurance, please reach out to your local Department of Human Services office and get yourself signed up for those benefits. You'll be able to use them in grocery stores and get exactly the food that you need. And then you can fill in with the food assistance sites that we support. You had a a bit of good news from Nike and Phil Knight. They made a big donation to the Oregon Food Bank. Tell us about that and how it will be used. Yeah, we got a personal donation from Nike CEO John Donahoe of $1 million, um, which has absolutely made my week because it made all sorts of options possible that weren't possible without more trucks, uh, immediately buying more food. Uh, investing in community organizations that are are connecting directly with the people who are the most vulnerable, the elderly, the disabled, in recent immigrant communities. Um, so we're so, so grateful and we're hoping we can use it to challenge the community to step up and, and help us raise another million. I know that you're working hard to, to get food to people, and there's a coalition of volunteers called the PDX COVID-19 Mutual Aid Network that's also pot- partnered with you. Tell us about that. Yeah, one of the glorious things that happens in difficult situations is the way communities come together. Um, and the uh, PDX COVID-19 Mutual Aid uh, Society is is a group of organizers already working with um, uh, some of our hardest to reach and most marginalized communities, the trans community, um, people of color, the immigrants, folks with disabilities. So they're embedded in these communities and they are bringing the communities to help the communities themselves. It's the perfect way to get trusted and necessary assistance to folks. There's something called that we've been reporting on here in the news, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. It was first passed by the House, then the Senate. The president just signed it this week. How is that going to help families? Yeah, the um, uh, Families First Coronavirus Response Act will help provide more nutrition assistance through a number of the government programs. It makes um, SNAP easier to access. It will make it possible for the government to provide uh, benefits directly to families whose kids aren't getting meals at schools. It will provide some more food to flow through the 
working. It will provide some more paid leave um, to folks uh, um, depending on the, their company's paid leave policies. So we think this is a really great first step on the part of the federal government, and we look forward to seeing even more federal response to this crisis. You mentioned just a moment ago wanting the community maybe to step up and help match some of the funds that you got from uh, Phil Knight uh, as a group collaboratively. How can they do that? Where would they donate? Yeah, let me just correct you and say that our donation came from John Donahoe, okay. um, the current CEO of, uh, of Nike. Um, uh, and yes, please uh, go to OregonFoodBank.org, um, click on the Donate Now button, put in the, uh, uh, the, the text box that you want to help us emerge stronger, and we will count that towards uh, our challenge. You're also watching some other structural issues that you hope are addressed so that we don't end up in this place again sometime in the future. What are you watching? We are watching, um, uh, I think it's always really important for us when we are in a crisis to realize who is going to be the most impacted. Um, And the people that we already serve, the 800,000 Oregonians who already need food assistance are the most impacted. They are are living on fixed incomes. They are um, working low wage jobs. They are kids, they are seniors, they're folks living with um, disabilities. And we as a society aren't aren't wrapping our arms around them. And this is exposing that. And so I think that we should all be thinking about how can we make sure we're stronger the next time a big crisis comes around? How do we make sure that there is um, uh, enough uh, sick time? How do we make sure that um, uh, there is uh, living wage jobs and people actually have money in the bank to be able to weather uncertain times? These are important questions for us to ask ourselves now as we see them playing out. We're going to be talking in just a couple of minutes about the 2020 census. How does that fit in and how does the census help the Oregon Food Bank? Yeah, Oregon Food Bank is deeply invested in helping the census go forward. And I have people say, why is the Oregon Food Bank interested? The answer is, it's because the census counts us all. And by that count, federal resources are allocated and those resources help with those structural problems. They help with health insurance, they help with schools, they help with roads. Um, and so for every person who isn't get count, doesn't get counted, Oregon gets fewer resources to be able to meet um, some of those structural needs and make sure that we are wrapping our arms around all of our communities. The great thing about the census is that we can do it from home. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your next guests um, and all that they have to say about how easy and possible it will be for us all to participate in the census. To make sure that everybody is counted. It's really important, isn't it? Absolutely. We all count and we should all be counted. Susanna Morgan from the Oregon Food Bank, thank you so much for joining us here on Stray Talk. Thank you. And when we come back, we talk with the two women working hard to make sure everyone is counted in the 2020 census and how that task has changed with the coronavirus outbreak, plus how you can help. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Census Day is coming up April 1st. It's critical to Oregon's future that everyone be counted. Chi Nguyen is the co-chair of the Oregon Complete Count Committee, and Kalpana Krishnamurthy is the field and policy director for Forward Together. Here's my interview with them about the census and how it's being impacted by coronavirus. 
Chi and Kalpana, welcome to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you here. Thanks hey, so thank much you for having us. Chi, let me begin with you. You're the co-chair of the Oregon Complete Count Committee. How has the coronavirus outbreak affected your census efforts? Yes, first I want to uh, send deep appreciation to my fellow co-chair, Representative Andrew Salinas, who's been busy working double time on this effort, along with the recently created Special Joint Committee on Coronavirus Response, so she's unable to join us today. But by now, many households have received an invitation in the mail to complete the census. Um, it looks like this. This was planned and continues uninterrupted by the coronavirus. The census website, 2020census.gov, is also live and can accept your response in English and 12 non-English languages or by calling a phone questionnaire assistance. So certainly COVID-19 has uh, created changes um, and that affected our field operation both for our federal partners as well as our state's plans. I'll touch on the general counts challenges and I'll let Kulpana speak to the effects on the hard to count um, campaign plan. I'll ha highlight the top three. First is that the complete group quarters operation um, has changed. Obviously, as we saw the governor uh, decreed the executive uh, order for uh, camp college campuses. So deep gratitude to the campus leadership uh, and administrators, as well as the governor who continue to do the right thing by prioritizing public health. Um, at every tough decision that they've had to make, but that will be affected. Second, the update and leave operation, which began March 16th, which is the hand delivery of census packets to about 6.6 million primarily rural households, um, plus most, uh, but not all, American Indian reservations will be stopped and delayed. Um, and third, the service-based enumeration, which is one of the operations counting people experiencing homelessness, will also be delayed. Uh, Chi, what if people didn't get one of those letters that you held up? Should they be concerned? You know, the first wave of invitations came out March 12th through 20th. And then there will be a second reminder, uh, March 21st through 31st. So if by the end of the month they have not received the census ID, they still can complete uh, by going online to my2020census.gov. And our federal partners will do a match, what they call a matching back of um, the census ID and um, the address. So Farah, I read that 11 million Americans have responded. Are you encouraged by that? You know, I will be extremely excited by six o'clock tomorrow night because there is a live website that allows us to track what responses are. But yes, as of the, uh, March 18th, the U.S. Census Bureau partners have um, cited that 11 million households have responded. Let's bring Kalpana in now. I know that you and your organization and other organizations are charged with trying to really reach out to individuals in hard to reach communities. When we talk about hard to reach communities, who are we talking about? Yeah, hard-to-reach communities are communities that um, have had a uh, slightly lower response rate to the census um, in years past. And so in Oregon and across the country, that includes people of color, it includes immigrants, renters, um, rural communities, people with disabilities, and um, children under the age of five. Um, interestingly, of course, no kid fills out the census. It's their parents that are forgetting to count them. 
So, um, you know, it's so important that we count every single Oregonian because these programs um, that we rely on for our families are the ones that are at stake with the census. You know, the Oregon Health Plan provides health care to one in four Oregonians. The federal government uses census data to give our state $6.6 billion to pay for Medicaid. Um, or one in six households in Oregon that gets SNAP, which is sometimes called food stamps. Um, the census brings in a billion dollars to support Oregon families in getting immediate food on the table and stabilizing family budgets. So we've heard that the field operations are suspended because of coronavirus. How are you going to reach these hard-to-reach communities? There is an active campaign to make sure that we talk to every single person about how important it is to count the census. Um, We'll be moving to more virtual work over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic. So people are text banking, they are phone calling, they are using social media, um, they are making sure that folks know where to call um, if they are ready to call in their census responses. So um, as you heard from Chi, the There is some complete count work that is on pause, the in-person work of um, delivering packets or of doing the homeless count, but the digital work to get people to fill out the census is alive and well, and communities are reaching out to our um, community organizations are reaching out to our members and our communities to make sure they know census is still happening and it's critical that we fill it out. I want to go back to Chi for a moment. How has coronavirus affected some of the people, businesses that your organization, Apano, advocates for? And you were telling me that some of them had experienced hate crimes early on. Can you tell me about that? Yes, I co-chair the OCCC in my capacity as a vice chair of Coalition of Communities of Color, but my day job is executive director of APANO, which is a nonprofit that fights for social justice for Asian and Pacific Islanders here in Oregon. COVID-19 came stateside with initial xenophobic hate crimes incited on our Chinese-owned businesses well before any COVID-19 cases actually appeared in our state. Since January, small businesses have been suffering economically as a result of xenophobia, between racial slurs to the destruction of property. It's been an incredibly difficult um, start to 2020. And of course, the workforces of those businesses have also been suffering for months now, having had their hours cut since January and have uh, experienced furloughs. Can, can you give us a specific example of a business that was hit with, I think you mentioned to me, one that had their windows broken? Yes, um, Ocean City is one of the well-known and beloved um, dim sum uh, restaurants, uh, just a block down from our office. And you were working on a relief fund to help these people? Yes. Uh, Really, I credit my team so much for the uh, overtime that they've been putting in. We've had three large projects that we've activated as a rapid response to COVID-19 and xenophobia. One, we made a tough call to cancel our gala and immediately got onto the phones with our sponsors to ask their permission to shift their donations toward a relief fund. Two, we swiftly propped up an online uh, fundraiser to community leaders and business owners to raise funds for the most impacted frontline workers. And I certainly want to send a heartfelt appreciation to our first major donor, Fubon's proprietor, Michael Liu. He led an effort to um, reach out to other community members, and that initiated, and I actually just came back from picking up $6,500 worth of gift cards between what he uh, raised uh, through the community as well as what we're matching from our online um, 
campaign. And thirdly, thanks to the leadership of our Neighborhoods Prosperity Initiative, we have had experience working with small businesses here in the district over the last six years. And Mayor Wheeler and Prosper Portland's leadership led to the deployment of $150,000 in grant money. Um, this grant money really is a lifeline to many job creating small businesses that we consider anchors to the API community here in the J district. And we're able to do that literally within one to two weeks time of um, from start to finish uh, money out the door. If people want to help, what can they do? Certainly, we are still. Uh, I think we're sixteen into uh, sixteen thousand of the tw the goal of raising twenty thousand to the COVID relief fund, uh, that will go to directly benefit the displaced workers. We are certainly gathering uh, and amassing a volunteer base that we would like to connect with direct service, like Susanna's organization earlier. We had heard from and Meals on Wheels, who um, their volunteer folks are uh, in the. Uh, uh, immunocompromised um, and higher aged um, folks. And then lastly, purchase gift cards from businesses and restaurants because those are revenues that they need to get through this tough time. And simply just ordering food and pick up as uh, we are amassing an amazing uh, list of eateries in our city and um, continue to, con to really uh, you know, prize what we're known for is uh, the city of foodies, right? A good way to help, buying those uh, gift cards. Kalpan, I want to go back to the census for a moment. What do you want people to know about the census? Yeah, I think it's important that we just remember um, we need to count every single person who calls Oregon home. Um, every person who gets counted um, in the 2010 census brought in $3,200 in funding um, that comes back to our state. And when we don't count folks, we are missing out on those resources. Additionally, Oregon is right on the edge of getting a sixth congressional district. We were 41,000 people short of being able to get a sixth congressional district. So census not only affects the programs that our communities need, um, and I just wanna tie this to what she was talking about with COVID. The data that's used in the census is also used by hospitals to make decisions about where to open. It's used in health data. Um, and when we, when we are thinking about responding to a pandemic like this, um, the data that we have on hand is the best data that we use in making decisions about future infrastructure. And the census is all about those infrastructure decisions. So um, we really wanna make sure that every Oregonian realizes, um, you know, this census will take maybe 10 minutes to fill out online. Um, there are no questions about immigration status. There are no questions about um, uh, citizenship. There are no questions that require a social security number. Um, this is 10 to 15 minutes to count the members in your, um, in, that are living in your household on April 1st, and um, it will help uh, return so many resources to the state of Oregon. Kalpanak, um, how about businesses? How can businesses help? Businesses can absolutely help um, by making sure all of their employees know to fill the census out. They should communicate directly with their employees about the census and directly with their customers. Um, again, census data is used to make decisions about where bus lines go, about where we plan um, transportation hubs, and every business has a stake in the game when it comes to the roads, the services, um, the transportation that gets customers to their door. So we would encourage businesses to do the outreach they can um, to talk to their customers customers and their employees about the importance of filling out the census. And she, we, we have to wrap it up now, but I want to just bring you back in. I, 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 you're not frozen anymore. So just like 15 seconds to wrap this up. What would you like to say? 
Yes, echoing on Kalpana and Susanna's point is that um, it is extremely vital. These are um, gaps that we're going to have to figure out how to fill as a state, as a county, as a city, if we're not able to access these federal dollars. Um, really just want to stress that uh, if you have the privilege of um, being able to uh, get online and uh, not need a lot of assistance, please complete it. Early, as early as you can possibly do. So that way we can redirect resources for folks that do need a little bit extra help. Chi and Kalpana, thank you so much for joining us here on Straight Talk again. It is uh, the census is 2020census.gov, so you can get online. Thank you for your efforts on behalf of the census. Thanks. And thank you to my guests. Thank you for watching and listening. I want to remind you Straight Talk is now available on podcast. Here's a QR code that will take you to a link to download it or get it wherever you get your podcasts. Search for KGW Straight Talk. You'll have more chances to watch us for the foreseeable future as we tackle issues related to the coronavirus outbreak. Straight Talk will air on Fridays at 7 p.m. and Mondays at 4.30 a.m. in addition to Saturday and Sunday. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Stay safe.